Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome, my friends, to a new month with a fresh focus. Here in February of 2021 on the In Podcast, we are featuring Pathfinders, women whose stories show us that we don't have to follow what is expected of us from others, and instead, we can create our own paths defying odds. Our guiding quote for the month is unattributed. We must take time to define our own path. Too quickly, we can find the world defining it for us. Today's guest has a story that deeply inspires and exemplifies the spirit of the quote perfectly. Let's meet her. Dr. Shalise Taylor is an educational leader with a passion for equity and culturally responsive practices. She has dedicated her research and work to empowering students to achieve at their highest potential. She was selected as a 2020 ASCD Emerging Leader, and she is currently an assistant principal and has served as supervisor of science, K-12 science specialist, and middle and high school science teacher. In this episode, we discuss Dr. Shalise's experience and insight into what it's like to complete a doctoral program while working full-time and raising multiple children. She shares how her path contained a major fork early in the road with a teen pregnancy and a defining moment for her that prompted her to define her path rather than allow what others thought about her to become a reality. And we hear the inspiring story of faith in her life and a message from Dr. Shalise about the power of God's presence in her and her husband's lives. You are going to be glad that you caught this episode today, my friends. There was not one moment where I didn't find myself stunned and inspired by Dr. Shalise's story, her ability to weave the experiences she has had in life with the clear purpose she lives. It was breathtaking to me. I know that you will love her story, and I am honored that I get to share with you Dr. Shalise Taylor's Pathfinder story. Welcome, Dr. Shalise Taylor, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I truly appreciate this opportunity to speak with you today and all of our listeners. Oh, we are the lucky ones. I know this for a fact already. Um, Dr. Shalise, would you do us a favor and just share a little bit about your current context so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better? Yes. Um, I currently reside in the state of Virginia. Um, I work in K-12 education as an elementary assistant principal. Um, I've had some experience working um, with science. That's most of my background. I was over science in my division. Um, and then I started my career as a middle and high school science teacher. So in the elementary world now, um, but I'm definitely enjoying it. <laughs> I'm chuckling because I was a content teacher and went to elementary. So <laughs> that learning curve is real, isn't it? It's, it's very real. Very real. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I always thought too, if I just would have known as a high school and secondary teacher, what I learned as an elementary principal in terms of pedagogy and assessment, I just would have been so much better. <laughs> yes. Yes. Elementary teachers, um, hopefully no secondary teachers to hear this, but elementary teachers work so hard. <laughs> they are some of the hardest working teachers. So Yeah. You know, and the everlasting debate about which one has it harder, right? Um, <laughs> and we could probably go on and on about that, but I love that you have this wide range of perspective from your experiences. And you're also a mama, correct? Yes. I am a mom of five. Um a mom of five. I birthed four and one was my wedding gift. My oldest um, is my wedding gift. So, um, but yep, mom of five. I've got three boys and two girls ranging from age 15 down to age three. <laughs> uh, 
Bless you. Yes, yes. I am just amazed. I've never heard of um of a I can't even think what I'm trying to say. I've never heard I was my wedding gift. That's such a beautiful way to phrase <laughs> the blended family. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I asked Dr. Shalise listeners to be on the show. I saw that you had tweeted about completing your doctoral program, but also that you have a really beautiful story behind you in regard to being a very tenacious and inspiring pathfinder. So I'm super excited to unpack your story and to get to know you better um, in this conversation because I know that my listeners are going to absolutely love you. Awesome. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so let's first talk about your doctoral studies. I, just because I want to touch upon that, um, it was funny, and I'm gonna just—I didn't tell you this in the pre-chat, but uh, recently when I saw some fire about uh, whether educational doctoral degrees should be recognized as doctors, I was feeling very fierce about that. Like, of course, <laughs> yes. And then I see this um, stranger that I've never interacted with before tweet about her completing her doctoral program and then also being an assistant principal and then sharing some personal pieces. And I was just deeply inspired. Do you want to talk about your experience going through a doctoral program and give us some insight about what that's like? Absolutely. Um, So I haven't watched TV the last five years. (laughs) That's number one. (laughs) So just, you know, keep that in mind. Um, But it was really difficult. It was difficult to to balance um, work and family and doctoral studies. And so I would often say, Getting a doctorate is um, more about synergy than it is about balance. It's about all things working together, even if everything doesn't get equal attention or time in your life. Um, but you have to prioritize what needs to be prioritized in that moment. Um, so it was it was difficult. Um, but I also felt this obligation to do it because I always wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a medical doctor um, mm. because I you know, thought, OK, that is what a doctor is, um, medical doctor myself, which is ironic about that post. Um, But obviously becoming an adult and entering the field of education, I realized that becoming a doctor is is not just about the title um, or about getting the degree, but it's about committing yourself to that work and committing yourself to research and putting that um, aside your own wills and desires in order to be better for the field. Um, And so that's what it was for me. It was about learning and growing and um, even proven to myself and other women um, and young girls that you can do it. Um, if it's something you want to pursue or do, you can do it. If if doctorate is the highest degree, no need to stop beneath that if, if, if you desire to go further, you know, do what you desire to do. Um, and so that was really what it meant to me. It was about proving to myself that I could do it um, and just being willing to make that sacrifice in order to grow personally. It's so beautiful because when I think about the concept of a pathfinder and I'm thinking about um, the people that I know who have gone through that process and myself, you know, wavering and wondering and (laughs) trying to figure out my own path in regard to those degrees, uh, it just, I know there has to be an intentional purpose behind you choosing to do that. And you're also not that I want to frame up age as being any type of an indicator, but you're really young too, to have 
completed that with all these children and everything. So can you just share a little bit about maybe the the journey that you started in education and, and not only just to have the degree, but maybe the path that you can see forward from here after you've completed it? I know that's a big question, but. Yeah, I actually started as a paraprofessional. Um, in some ways, people refer to as a teaching assistant. Um, that's where I started. And I didn't intend to stay in the field of education. But after my first year as a teacher assistant, um, I had realized that I could really make a difference in the life of young people. And I had met quite a few young people that had some challenges. And I saw the relationship we were able to build and how they were able to kind of overcome some of those challenges and find their way. And so I said, you know what? I, this is nice. Like, I want to make a difference. Um, so ended up, you know, getting my teaching license, um, became a teacher. But what's interesting is that when I finished my first year as a teacher assistant, um, I had applied to be a teacher, had gotten a job offer and was getting ready to start. I was at the school I actually attended as a middle schooler. Um, So my principal knew me, the the staff knew me was wonderful. Long story short, the division did not want to hire me. My principal was furious. She talked about, oh my gosh, here are all the great things she's done for our students. But they felt like, well, I didn't have enough experience. I didn't go through the traditional route. They wanted someone with more experience. Um, And that was after she had told the staff I'd be teaching there and after all the relationships I built. And I remember crying and feeling like, this is the lowest, most embarrassing moment I've ever had in my life because all of my colleagues knew that I was denied the position. My principal went to the school board and everything, just trying to fight for me. And finally, I heard God speak to me and he said, I'm doing this. I'm trying to redirect you. And um, it was in that moment that I applied to another division, ended up getting there as a first year teacher, having to be a department chair and taking on all these leadership roles as my first year. And I thought, this is crazy. Um, Three years later, after teaching, I find a role as a science specialist. A year later, was able to move to a science supervisor and um, did that for two years. And now I'm an administrator. So very young. But I say that to say, since we're on the theme of Pathfinder, um, sometimes you just have to trust the process. The path you set out is not always the path that um, is actually set for you. And even if you face opposition, sometimes it doesn't mean you're going the wrong way. It's just because God may be redirecting you to, to even greater um, purpose. And I believe if I had got that job at that school, I would probably still be in the classroom, which nothing is wrong with that. Um, I value, you know, teaching and I'm definitely a teacher at heart, but I would have missed the opportunity to impact more teachers from the standpoint of leadership. So it was in that moment of rejection um, that really led me to where I am nailed in the field of education. All right. No question that you were brought to me for good reason. (laughs) I love that you pointed out, you know, sometimes we're so fierce and focused on our path and it's just not there. And I know listeners have been there before, might be there right Right now, or they feel like they're just, you know, hitting their head up against a wall for something that they believe is meant for them. But the fact that you just spoke so clearly about that message that you received is so powerful. And I love to hear that because a lot of times um, that picture that you painted of being in a division where you grew up, you were familiar, that feels like it's home. And then we got to realize that we got to, you know, we got to grow ourselves in different ways before we can really become 
who God ultimately wants us to be. That's right. And man, that could be so hard. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, to trust the path. This has been a journey that I've been on um, intensely in the past couple of years that my listeners know about myself um, having left my principal position because I've got a direct message from the Holy Spirit right in my inbox saying it's time to go. Wow. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. I love principling. Um, but I I can just imagine um, the beauty and looking back on your path and, and choosing the one that was made for you instead of the one that you designed. So thank you for sharing that. Super powerful. Yeah. Yes. I also feel like there's this might be the appropriate time because you have five children, you're super young. People are thinking, wow, how does that math work? Let's talk about (laughs) a super inspiring part of your story um, in your teenage. Yeah. So I started um, very early with motherhood. I got pregnant at the age of 16, um, had my first child by 17. um, And I had that child with who's now my husband. Um, Of course, at the time, didn't think he'd be my husband. Um, we were actually just friends and having a good time as teenagers and didn't realize it lead to a lifelong journey. Um, but I was a student who I grew up in a two parent home. My parents were pastors. Um, they, you know, I felt really led me down the right path and, and instilled so much in me. But there was still this desire in me to set my own path and make my own way. Um, I really did not want to choose the route that they did. You know, I didn't, even though I knew what I should be doing. I felt like uh, I really want to just experiment and have fun. Um, So not knowing it would lead to me getting pregnant. And I remember in that moment, um, just seeing my mother cry and feeling like, man, I have upset her. Um, They had just started their church. And um, here I was pregnant and not married. Um, And so I thought to myself, you know what, this is it. And at the time I was taking honors classes. So a lot of my friends were getting ready to, you know, think about what colleges they were going off to. And we were all excited. And then here I was in the group now pregnant. Um, And I remember one of my English teachers um, came up to me and she said, oh, my gosh, you have so much common sense. No, so much books, book sense. She said, but you have no common sense. (laughs) And I thought to myself, wow. Um, And she said, you know, I I hate that this has happened to you, but you've really, you know, ruined your future by doing this. And it was in those words, I think that something happened to me. I've always heard people say you can have two responses to opposition. Either you can take it head on or you can withdraw. Um, And for whatever reason, there was something in me that said, now I've got to take this head on. I've got to prove her wrong. And all of the people who may have thought, you know what, her life is over. You know, she had this bright future ahead of her. And now she's just going to be this teenage mom who has to drop out of school and all these things. Um, and so I've had I had some really tough moments um, in high school, you know, not being able to participate in certain events, just feeling, you know, walking around with this big old belly um, sitting in a high school classroom. Um, and I remember just one day crying in my closet and just saying, you know, something has to give, something has to change. And so I had started working. I was working at Wawa um, and it was a day that was a really tough day. My husband um at the, well, at the time, my child's father was going off to college. And so I kind of saw like he was, you know, getting that freedom away. He didn't have to carry the baby, but, you know, he had was able to go off to college and have fun and have these experiences. And of course, he was supportive and we were friends, but I just were, was really struggling. Um, 
And I remember being at the cast register and I had just got done crying in the break room, having this horrible moment like, you know, I don't I don't know if I can make it. And I had cleaned my face up, got all put my makeup back on, you know, put on my smile and walked out and was ringing everybody up. And this man walked in who I never met, don't know him from anywhere. um, And he looks me right in the face and he says, everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to work out with your child's father. And I just remember in that moment, I felt like, okay, it's not over. I am seen, you know, God sees me. He's not abandoned me. He didn't give up on me. You can do this. Um, And so I made this commitment to myself. I said, you know, my child, when my child is born, they won't know my age. I will know my age, but my child won't know that I'm a teenage mother. The only way this can affect him is if I carry myself as a teenage mother. And so I decided to get books and to start studying on parenting and breastfeeding and all these different things to really try to um, be the best mom I could be. Um, and, I, and I did. I set out to really do that. And um, ironically, you know, when I look back, a lot of people ask me, you know, about my mothering and, and how do I do it? But it was really in that very tough moment, I think, that I learned how to be a mother. Wow. <laughs> Just... Wow, what a beautiful story. Um, and first of all, you know that I think that that's probably not the only person who said something hurtful to you. No, the teacher, and of course, those stick out and you know such a good moment to have a stop and remember those of us that are educators, we really have a power in our tongue, don't we? Um, everybody does, but but as educators, you're, we're particularly positioned in people's lives during these really critical formative years. And I think sometimes we forget when we have teenagers in front of us making adult decisions and having adult consequences, even though their brains aren't yes. quite adult yet. Just as you've paid, you know, you paved that way talking about that. Um, we know that the brain is developed in particular ways at different stages. That's right. And, oh man, it just hurts thinking about that educator saying that to you. But what a beautiful gift that you can look back and see that that was a pivot point for you. Yes. Um, to kind of prove wrong or whatever that motivation was. And and also, thank you for sharing that story about a stranger, you know, uh, the mouthpiece maybe speaking to you, um, God's yes. mouthpiece speaking to you in that moment. And for you listening and to be able to share it here on the podcast is super inspiring to me. Thank you very much for that. I'm curious, what did that look like then? I mean, fast forward, you've given some details. It's kind of, I don't have to get too personal, <laughs> but it sounds so interesting in terms of how that lined back up with your husband. Yeah, so we were, um, like I say, friends and um, just kind of committed to, okay, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to raise a child. Um, So he was actually going to a school um, in Norfolk at the time, Norfolk, Virginia. And I had decided, you know what, I'm going to try to get close or not Norfolk, Newport News. So he was actually going to a school a school in Newport News at the time. So I decided, well, I'm going to go to Hampton University and get as close as I could to him. And we're going to get an apartment on that side and raise my child and all that. Um, And so we ended up kind of squashing that. He ended up transferring to Norfolk State and I was not too far, about 30 minutes from that and decided to go to ODU. Um, We still were friends, um, not really committed to being together personally, intimately, but just more so committed to raising our child together. Um, Well, he started going to church um, with my parents. And at the time, he actually was an atheist. He was majoring in philosophy, um, history and political science. And, you know, we would have these debates about is God real and all that. So um, that was his perspective. And so 
he started going to church with my parents and all of a sudden, I don't know what it was. Something happened where one day I saw him and he was studying the Bible and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is interesting. Um, and then he had written out all these note cards of scriptures. And I was like, okay, this is like weird. Like what's going on? Um, and before I knew it, he had actually gave his life to Christ and decided that, um, you know, he, he, he believed and what really did it for him, um, he had had a child prior. And so I, I referenced him in the beginning of my, um, in the beginning of the podcast, when I said my wedding gift. Um, so when me and him got pregnant, it was his sec his second child. Um, and so he was also experiencing his own moment of just rock bottom and feeling like this is child number two for me. So we were both at very broken places. Um, but he had actually prayed to God and said, you know, if God would work out everything between us, if he would help him get a job, that he would believe and he would live for him. Um, and so it was actually him miraculously getting this job in education, um, which ultimately led to him becoming a teacher, which he didn't expect, um, which actually led him to Christ. And I think it was both of us kind of me starting out as this Christian who was raised that way, him starting out as atheist. But what's interesting is we both found God in our broken moments, even though I, I thought I always knew God. Um, I didn't know him until I really had to know him and experience him myself. And so it was through us kind of reconnecting and building our relationship with God that actually led us to um, begin, you know, dating and ultimately getting married. Um, and we'll be celebrating 11 years or we just celebrated 11 years. We'll be celebrating 12 years next December. So um, it's been an amazing journey, um, but that just goes to show, you know, that just trust the process. You know, it might not always seem like things are going the way you think, but um, somehow, you know, the path will um, shine its light, you know, at some point, but just, you know, be consistent and, and trust the process. It's just so powerful. You've given us such a beautiful mission in your message today when you talk about every single little thing that could have gone a different way. And you know that this was for you after all. And to think that both of you having defied statistics. I mean, really, I, I don't know if you've done research enough to be able to spout that, but what mm -hmm. are the odds that you'd be where you're at right now, both of you professionally and personally having started out like that? Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents um, played a critical role um, in my life, and that is something I have learned. I, I really didn't even realize how much of a role they played in supporting me until I got a lot older. Um, but 
and this might just be a message to parents, um, no matter where your children are right now, um, maybe their mistake or their issue wasn't teen pregnancy, but maybe it's something else. Maybe they've gotten into some other things or maybe they're just not where they need to be. One thing my parents um, did, they never judged me. I never felt shunned. Um, In fact, I was shocked by their response. Um, I saw my mother cry from hurt, but the very next day it was, you know, okay, what do we need to do? Um, You know, let's set, you know, get the crib and let's do this. And it was like the weirdest experience because I just didn't expect that. And my dad was kind of like, you know, very, well, it happens and, you know, let's move forward. Um, But I think that was so critical because if it had been where they shunned me or where they didn't support me, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today. So um, it was definitely them loving me through that process that kind of helped me continue on. So they helped pay for daycare. Um, Now, my mom was very strict about, um, she said, I will watch, you know, your child while you go to school and work. I will not watch him while you go to parties or when you go to, and it was almost questionable if I was going to prom because she was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I ended up going, but it was one of those things where she wanted to teach me um, that there are consequences to your actions and you do have to own up and show responsibility, but also support me. So I felt like, okay, if she's going to watch him for me to go to work in school, I'm going to do that as long as I can. <laughs> so um, that's really what kind of helped me. Um, and again, my dad helped out with um, finances and, and daycare. Um, and I was able to get assistance through United uh, Way at the time to help pay for daycare, which was critical, critical. Um, without that, I wouldn't have been able to go to school and to um, complete my academics. So family support was was definitely there. Parental support was there. Um, my husband's mom was very supportive as well. Um, and he and she was a big help to both of us. So I, I think that was a, a, a very um, critical piece in, in my success. I love so much that you kind of in sharing that spoke almost directly to the audience who may be parents, uh, including me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so hard sometimes to separate our own um, growing up and our own paths from our kids. And of course, we carry our own baggage from our childhood. But too, we have like these hopes and dreams for our kids. And you can see how if your parents would have gone a different direction, how that can absolutely change things and thinking from what I'm hearing, it's like, um, they somehow had this beautiful ability not to parent with shame, which is powerful. You know, we often go, I mean, that happens in my home and I can name it and see it. And it's like, ugh, it's just so gross, (laughs) you know, um, that we, Hey, I'm right there with you. (laughs) Well, thanks for the grace of the connection, because when I think about that and I try to picture myself in your parents' shoes, uh, not easy. You know, not an easy thing. And and honestly, I can't think of any experiences where I could say that was something that I saw when teens ended up becoming pregnant. Um, it's always a different story than that. So what a beautiful and powerful moment to just reflect and honor your parents for their service to you in that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so another piece of your story, you've got, you know, your academics and you've got your incredible resilience story, honestly, with being a parent as a teenage parent, but then you took the path of having more children. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I think there's something that you could say, you know, of course, I wrote, um, co-authored a book called, you know, Going Beyond Work-Life Balance, but I feel like you could probably write your own. What is that like juggling kids of all ages and stages and your doctoral program and the fact that you're, I mean, by the way, by day, an administrator, <laughs> but you know, that's a yeah, it's it's definitely um, not easy. And one of the things I, I didn't share, um, my husband and I had actually started a church too about five years ago, um, which is not something I saw <laughs> in either of our journeys, um, but just a, a testament. But um, so that has been another layer of things that we have had to balance uh, planting a church. But one of the things I will say um, is just give yourself grace. Um, I had to do that. I had to learn to give myself grace. And there were times where um, I I, I took a year off from teaching um, when I had just had one child because I was like, you know, it's just too much. Um, and that was hard, you know, because I, I wanted to I knew where I wanted to be in education, but I also knew that you don't get first years of your children's life back very, you know, ever. So I'm like, OK, I've, I've got to sacrifice this. Um, but it didn't hold me back. You know, God still accelerated my journey, but I think it was because I honored my priorities. And so I would just say, you know, give yourself grace, um, honor your priorities. Throughout getting my doctor degree, I set with my laptop, my daughter uh, would call us the screen family because she was like, everybody always is on a computer or some screen to their face, <laughs> which, you know, later might be something traumatic. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I would sit with my kids, you know, they have TV on, I have my laptop and work and I try to never go somewhere to ride or um, say, you know, get away guys, I'm trying to do this until I got down to the very end when I had to really buckle down. Um, but other than that, throughout the program, I would try to be right there with them sitting on the bed, typing and doing my work so that they always felt I was present, even though I was working. Um, if there was a game or if there was something, I'd say, well, I'm gonna submit this assignment late, but I'm not gonna miss, you know, the child, my child's game or I'm not going to miss this. So it was a hard balance, but I, I felt like I had to just really know when to trade off and when to prioritize and what to prioritize at what time. Um, and I always kept in mind, you know, my children are first, you know, God first, you know, husband, children, family. That's my first commitment, my first ministry, the first thing God gave me that I had you know, have to really honor. Um, but then he's also given me this other incredible responsibility of completing a doctorate degree and balancing work. And so I do have to honor those things as well. So it was never balanced. Um, there'd be some weekends where I'm just working on my computer um, and may not really get to do anything fun with the kids. But the next weekend, I might decide to do no work and just, <laughs> you know, work and, and have fun with the kids. So synergy, you know, let it all work together, give things the priority that it needs in that moment. Um, but don't, but know, you know, that everything is not going to get equal time and attention. It's just no way possible. So give yourself some grace for that too. Spoken brilliantly. You and I both agree. Balance is a myth. Don't try to yeah. taste it, my friends. It's not worth it. <laughs> oh, it's an ugly beast if you try to do that. I'm so proud of you. I'm just proud to have you on the podcast. I'm just deeply inspired by you. You've taught me so much today just listening to your story. I know that my listeners have definitely gained from you. I'm just, wow, I'm so deeply inspired. There's so many different layers. When you said you planted a church, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't expecting that myself. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. And and what a powerful testimony again um, to a life lived with just faithful obedience, obedient risks yeah. over and over. 
Wow. And one thing I've learned is that, um, you know, just don't try to have so much control over your outcomes and over your future. Um, I think if you lead with the heart and you just follow your convictions and and just try to live a life that um, serves others and and gives back, I think God will lead you along your path and your journey. Um, so that's one thing I, I think I've learned is just to let go of control because it it never turns out the way I think. (laughs) Well, and now isn't that a powerful message? I'm assuming it's usually been better than you thought in the first place. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, Dr. Shalise, I have just loved this conversation. We're coming to the end here where I ask you my two standard questions. Are you ready for those? I am. Awesome. So if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Um, I would write a letter to my 17-year-old self um, and I would say, don't give up. Um, Everything is going to be okay. This will be a part of your story. Um, You need this moment to make you stronger and better. Um, It doesn't define you, but it will certainly help you and strengthen you. So just don't give up. Don't give up. And I bet that that young lady could just hear you echoing right there right now. I mean, honestly, it seems like you wrote that love letter to yourself all along the journey. How about this? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? Um, I would say believe. Believe that it's going to get better. Um, Believe that this moment is temporary. Believe that you're better than this moment. You can rise above this moment. Uh, Believe that God has a tremendous plan for your life. Believe that your mistakes and your failures don't define you. Um, Believe that you can overcome anything. As long as you continue to believe and to be persistent and to put one foot in front of the other, you're always victorious. You're only not victorious when you give up. Um, but other than that, you are victorious just by trying and 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 refusing to um, live in, in disbelief. So believe that um, the best is still yet to come and that you have a great purpose. Absolutely beautiful. And you just ministered to me this entire conversation. I know my listeners have definitely felt that from you. And thank you so much for those last words of wisdom. If listeners would like to connect with you after this interview, what would you suggest to be the best way to directly communicate with you? Um, follow me on Twitter um, at Shalise Taylor. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Underscore Shalise Taylor. Um, I would certainly love to connect with you all um, and just even hear about your journeys. Um, so that would be the best way. Beautiful. And listeners, you know, I will link all of that so you don't have to go searching for it. And Dr. Shalise, thank you so much. I am just in awe of you. Deeply inspired. Cannot wait to stay connected with you and continue to watch your journey and learn as you continue to pathfind, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. um, And I'm grateful that we have had the opportunity to connect. As am I. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.